Welcome to Waves of Change podcast. I'm your host, Lizzie Lara. Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of Waves of Change podcast. So happy that you're here with us today. Today, I am so excited to bring this episode to you all. I am interviewing Sheila Morovati, who is the founder of Habits of Waste. I heard, first heard of Sheila on um, Darren Orlean's podcast, who I've spoke a lot about, about how I love the work that Darren's doing and um, follow him and I've read his book. And when I heard Sheila on his podcast, I just instantly became a big fan of everything she's doing and Habits of Waste. Started following Habits of Waste on social media and just falling in love with their perspective of how as individuals we can make an impact on saving our planet and curbing climate change and I've just been a big fan of them ever since. So when I reached out to see if Sheila would come on the podcast and she said yes, I was so excited and I'm so excited for you all to listen to this interview. A few things that I just want to point out. She is such a huge inspiration. You'll hear us speak about this on the podcast, but Sheila has not started just one nonprofit, which within itself is a huge feat to start one nonprofit, but she started two. So we're mostly talking about habits of waste, but we also spoke briefly about her first nonprofit, Crayon Collection. So, I mean, just a huge inspiration that she started two impactful nonprofits. I love hearing Sheila speak about how she takes action. She's literally tackling item by item. Um, And you hear her talk about how she has a fire to make change, and I love that. Um, You know, she really sees a problem and takes action to fix it, which is just really inspiring. Also love her hearing her speak about her um, perspective as an immigrant and how that's really shaped habits of waste. I think it's very interesting. Um, As many of you know, I um, have a bicultural family and hearing Sheila speak about this really made me think of my mother-in-law who is from the Dominican Republic, who is the queen of upcycling. Um, You know, I, and being from America and from the United States, I'm very quick to throw things away. Oh, this is broken. Let me throw things away. And she's always like, no, Lizzie. And is the queen of upcycling and can make something broken into something beautiful. So when I heard Sheila speak about her immigrant lens and how that's really shaped habits of waste, um, it really made me think about that. Um, You know, Habits of Waste has numerous campaigns to protect the planet through individuals making slight changes to their lifestyle. And I really love that. Uh, Something that Habits of Waste says on their campaigns and their website, and you'll hear Sheila and I speak about it as well, is, you know, fighting climate change and protecting the planet is not going to be a few individuals doing things perfectly. I think people get put off like, well, it's too much. I can't do it. I can't make an impact on myself. But I love how Habits of Waste is like, yes, yes, you can. If we all make slight adjustments, to our lifestyle, then we can have huge impact. Like with their eight meals campaign, we don't have to all be vegan, but what if we eat eight meals a week that are plant-based? That would reduce carbon. I know Sheila says um, the number, but by a huge percent, our, our carbon emissions. 
you know, um, we have to change our default setting and reevaluate our defaults. Um, you know, as you'll hear Sheila speak about, she's a big reason of why our default in a lot of um, places in this country, our default has changed from the plastic straw to the paper straw. Our default has uh, changed from automatically getting plastic straws and cutlery to not, to needing to request it. And it doesn't disrupt our lifestyle to change those default settings. I mean, many moons ago, the default was not plastic water bottles. We can get away from plastic water bottles. I know even slowly our society is changing where it's the norm now for people to walk around with their reusable water bottles. My children, they go to school with their reusable water bottles and so do all of their friends. So I love that Habits of Waste is really making these actions tangible for people, things that they can do. You know, when, when you look at someone, when you look at your friend, your family member and be like, can you help us solve climate change? They're probably like, whoa, 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 no, it's too big of an issue. But I love how Habits of Waste is really giving the power to the individual. You have voice as a consumer and you have a voice and an impact as an individual. So I'm really excited to bring this interview to you all. Um, and I encourage you afterwards to go on Habits of Waste um, website and check out their various campaigns and become a part of them. So I will let you get to it. Here's my interview with Sheila from Habits of Waste. So today we have Sheila Morovati, who is the founder of Habits of Waste. Habits of Waste's goal is to activate large numbers of people with accessible behavior changes to collectively have a greater impact than a few people doing it perfectly. Sheila, thank you for being on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. I have to say, I've been following Habits of Waste on social media for a while and just geeking out about all of your campaigns. So I'm excited to talk to you directly about them. Thank you. It's really exciting to share the work with um, your audience. So I'm happy to be here today. I was hoping we could get started by having you share the origin story of Habits of Waste. You know, it's funny, origin story of Habits of Waste was crayons. And I think it's always unusual for people to hear that crayons um, ended up being my foray into environmentalism. I had a very um, picky eating toddler. And every time we'd go to restaurants, she would receive four free crayons to play with while we were eating. And within minutes, of course, the food would come and the crayons would roll to the side of the table and then they'd get thrown in the trash. And I kept watching this and wondering, how is this okay? How is this normal? There's so many kids out there who would yearn for one crayon and <laughs> teachers are spending their personal dollars on classroom supplies and our landfills are already so full and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The throwaway society that we're exposing our kids to at such a young age. And so I started to uh, ask restaurants to to kind of collect those still good crayons. And um, I would find a school locally within five miles that needed the crayons. And I'd pair up these schools and restaurants together. And before I knew it, I had a nonprofit organization called Crayon Collection. And I kept on you know, building it bigger and bigger in all 50 states and then 10 countries. And 22 million crayons later, um, I realized that there was more I could do. And my other passion was all these single-use plastic items that I kept seeing. So in these restaurants, I would look around and I'd see like a table of two people had five straws on the table. And I thought, I wonder if anyone even asked for those. 
And I knew that if I went to the city of Malibu, which is an iconic beach community, we could really make some waves, um, no pun intended. And sure enough, I was able to ban the first, make the first plastic straw and cutlery ban in the world, which was the city of Malibu. And so Habits of Waste was born then because people kept wondering if I'm doing straws or crayons. And I kept telling everyone, but it's just all a habit of waste. And so that is how the evolution of Crayon Collection to Habits of Waste was born. And I still have both organizations are under one umbrella. And I, I love the work we do um, in both. Yeah, I know. I should have actually started out saying that you have two nonprofits, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um and, you know, as a mom of little ones, I think the the crayon collection is so smart because I know our diaper bags constantly being filled with crayons from restaurants because you don't want to throw them away. Um, so I love that. Totally. totally. Um, can you share with our audience a little bit about your your background and how it shaped um, Habits of Waste? Yeah, I was um, born in Iran just before the Islamic Revolution happened, um, which we're kind of hearing a lot about these days. I, you know, my family realized that this wasn't uh, an environment to raise their daughter in. So luckily, my family left when I was just shy of a year old and we moved all over the place and ended up in um, a small town in New Jersey. We didn't have a lot of money. We were, um, the the luxury of wasting was just not a part of our world. I spent a lot of time outside. We had a little creek running by our house and we didn't have a lot of toys. So my, my time was outside constantly just, you know, exploring. And I think I look back on those days that I, I spent hours upon hours outside in my creek or in wherever outside in the yard making mud pies with my sister. And I think that that really allowed me to connect deeply with this planet and our environment. Um, later on in life, when again, I saw those crayons being thrown away, I firsthand knew how much a crayon would have meant to me growing up. And so the idea to just teach my kid that it's okay to use them for a few minutes and throw them away really bothered me inside. So I think that, you know, in this country, um, we're very privileged. We have a lot, a lot, a lot of stuff and access. And I think we sometimes just don't see it anymore. And once we shine light on it, I think generally I have a lot of faith in humanity. No one really wants to do any harm. No one really wants to waste, but it just becomes this kind of muted uh, element of our lives here. And we have to change that. I love that. And you also have a background in sociology, is that right? Yeah, so I studied um, at UCLA. Sociology was fascinating to me to understand that there is a psychology of the masses really got me thinking because you sometimes get overwhelmed by the idea of making change. And then when you know that there's actually a way to do it and that there is a formula behind social change, it becomes so empowering. And when I would read about, you know, different change makers throughout history in my years at UCLA, I felt so motivated to know that there's something that can be done out there. I didn't think I would be one of the people that would be doing it. But when I saw, you know, the problems that would arise around me, I realized, okay, let's make a collective effort with a large group of people and get everybody on board and start to tilt the societal behavior in a way that we feel is more conducive to a cleaner environment. Yeah, I love that. I think also as individuals, sometimes we hear all these statistics about climate change and the environment and it can feel overwhelming, but I love that Habits of Waste takes these campaigns where people can take action by signing or 
not using single-use plastic and it makes it more tangible for people. Yeah. I just spoke at a school yesterday um, to, you know, 250 middle school kids and I told them, has anyone here ever tried to shove an entire hamburger in their mouth? And they all laughed and they were like, you know, no or yes. And okay, were you successful? No. And I think that it was a really good visual for them to understand that climate change is just that. We can't shove this entire burger in our mouth at once. Uh, hopefully a vegan burger. But right. um, <laughs> that's a little environmental comedy right there for everybody. But um, we have to take bite-sized chunks and pieces and like make it, make it digestible, make it doable. Because then as an individuals who aren't necessarily calling themselves environmentalists, you know, quote unquote, you feel good knowing that like, Hey, I did that. I, I was able to refuse plastic today or tomorrow. I'm going to start my, my compost because my city now allows me to do that in my green bin, or I'm going to try and eat less plant, less animal products this week and give it, you know, give my eight meals campaign a go different little things that are attainable. And then you feel great that you were able to accomplish it and then move on to something more. It's really like a ladder and you just start small. And then before you know it, Hey, I could do that. And I can try this. And then what else can I do? And it's good. It's a really yeah. good feeling Yeah, I love versus that. being like, I failed everything and I just can't do this. Right. Well, I think it goes back to, um, you know, what habits of waste says of doing it perfectly, right? If we all do something and do some sort of small change, then it makes a lot more difference than, you know, just a couple of people doing it perfectly. Um, I'd love to back up to the straw ban, um, Malibu being the first city with a straw ban, which is huge because now you travel everywhere and there's paper straws or, um, you know, you have to ask for them. So could you kind of go back and tell us how you accomplish that? Sure. I feel like once in a while, I get this kind of fire where I'm like, I have to do something. I have to do something. <laughs> and it's like a thorn in my side. I can't really explain how it feels more than if something doesn't happen, I'm going to lose my mind kind of thing. And someone invited me to screen a film called Straws, um, coincidentally. And it, we were going to get a theater and like some cool spot and make it a little party. And I said, you know, this is a really great resource, this film. It's a really good way to explain to people. Remember, this was 2017. So this is a while back and people were not very aware of what was going on. Right. Um, and so I thought this could be a really good opportunity to teach uh, an entire community and then use it to make change. So I actually um, went to the city of Malibu knowing that this is an open community of, you know, ocean lovers that are open-minded. They know the problems firsthand. They're in the water, they're at the beach. So I went over there and I asked, you know, my three minutes of public comment, everyone gets it in their community, just so you all know. And I said, would you, would the city of Malibu be willing to screen the film straws in city hall? And we could invite the community to understand what this is. And hopefully afterwards we can have a bigger conversation about what to do about this problem. And didn't take more than a few seconds and the entire, you know, panel right there, the council members said, yes, okay, no problem. So we started working with the environmental team in the city of Malibu and we put together the event, had a vegan food truck come, sold out, you know, the whole theater was full, screened the film, and we brought in the director, the producer, all sorts of different people to be on the panel and we discussed you know, what was being said in this film and how this pesky single-use plastic problem, these little straws, these little plastic cutlery, all these little things that we don't think about 
are creating a massive, massive uh, issue for our wildlife, for our environment. They're breaking down into microplastics. And we discussed everything, answered all the questions in the audience. And then the following city council meeting, I went back and I asked for the ban. I said, we really feel that everyone understands what the problems are and we need the city to step step up and basically be the leader, be the pioneer. Everyone will watch you. And once again, um, in total, you know, camaraderie, everyone jumped in and said yes. And, and it was, you know, it was amazing to see that that response and then before i knew it we had like the gold standard for the ordinance which included no compostables which is a very big deal it included plastic cutlery straws and stirs for coffee and i think that that's really really important because um it was that ordinance that allowed so many cities right afterwards to just kind of plug and play and it's, you know, it's all public. You could see ever, exactly what they wrote. And it was, it was beautiful. It's still considered one of the strongest plastic straw bands in the world. Um, and I'm super proud to have been a part of it. Yeah, you should be. That's amazing. And I know that kind of led into the cutout cutlery campaign, which was also mm-hmm. very successful. If you could talk a bit about that. Yeah, I start, I hear, I listen to what people keep on asking me for. Um, They're like, well, I keep ordering food and I I don't know how to tell these restaurants that I don't need all that plastic cutlery. I don't know what to do. I put a little note in there and they don't listen. And I started to study these applications, these food delivery applications to really get an idea of what is the issue. And I realized that the default setting is that everyone gets plastic cutlery unless you opt out of it. And most of the time by opting out, no one's paying attention. And so you'll still get the plastic cutlery. So I realized what if the default was different? What if the default became that no one gets plastic cutlery unless you request it? And most of the time people prefer eating with a heavier stainless steel cutlery at home. Um, And it's really those random once in a blue moon times that you need the plastic cutlery. I personally think no one should have it because you could have, you know, other op- options, but right. I get it. Like it is, it is something that m- for the most part, people who are ordering in at their office or at home uh, don't need it or don't want it. So we started a campaign called Cut Out Cutlery and we started sending emails to Uber Eats, Grubhub, DoorDash and Postmates asking them to change the default setting. So it's an opt-in for the plastic cutlery. And it took us um, about three to four months to get Uber Eats to listen. And at the same time that we were sending out all these emails, I kept on connecting to the uh, environmental sustainability head of Uber Eats and all the other Mm. applications saying, hey, you may be hearing from us. I wanted to open a conversation with you. This is something that I think will really change the world and change the mindset of the masses. So many people interfaced with the apps. And Uber Eats came on first and I was able to help them kind of navigate the user through the process. And then... Before I knew it, they piloted it, then they did the US and then they went global within a month because the person that's uh, in LA using the app is going to be maybe using it in let's say London. They can't have a different layout on on the app. They need the defaults to all be the same because then it gets really confusing. So um, that was really cool. And then Postmates jumped in and then we were left with Grubhub and DoorDash and that took a little longer. But what we did was we got Postmates numbers and they said that within a year, 122 million packs of plastic cutlery were uh, saved from entering the waste stream. 
And I did some basic math because I was working with some plastic pollution, you know, groups and different organizations. So we kind of had the numbers of what does it cost to have a pack of plastic cutlery? And with that number, I was able to calculate that we saved restaurants $3.2 million just from that 122 million packs of cutlery that were saved through Postmates. And we used that as a tool to get the, the state of California on board. Mm. So AB 1276 passed. Um, and it was really based on the fact that we don't want to put pressure on restaurants. We want to support them, help the planet. It's a win-win-win for everybody. And even before we passed that law, we were able to get DoorDash and Grubhub on board. And then the law is wonderful because now any new application that's born or any restaurant that's out there can only provide plastic cutlery upon request. So we've already saved over a billion pieces of plastic cutlery just through this campaign. And we're just you know thrilled because it just allows people to have a little bit of power, a little bit of choice to do better. So it's good. That's huge. And it makes me think of the pandemic too when we were all stuck at home we weren't really leaving our house but we didn't necessarily want to be cooking every night so people mm-hmm. are ordering takeout and you don't want you know plastic cutlery when you're sitting at your house and also right. the restaurants were you know hurting financially so if they can save on that um it's just so smart yeah um I'd love to kind of dive into eight meals I know that you mentioned it before but I think it really speaks to um how people don't need to be doing things perfectly if you could kind of speak about what eight meals is so i think um there's a few parts of this that are really important to share um only three percent of our population is fully vegan and my hat goes off to folks that can do that 97 percent of us feel that oh i can't even touch it so what if we gave people an entry point that was you know attainable that really actually made an impact I love meatless Mondays. That's a really good one. And that's three meals. So we're asking people to do five more. And this is based on a study uh, from the University of Michigan and Tulane, which talks about how in Western cultures ate um, 40% of their plant-based meals of their entire diet. Um, It would really make a huge difference in how much uh, carbon we were producing. And so they really believe that it would actually cure climate issues altogether, like it would be enough of a change. And I thought, well, how is that possible to make people understand that all they have to do is eat 40% less animal products. And I realized if we're all eating 21 meals a week, approximately, let's just say on average, what's 40% of that, and that's eight meals. And that's where that number was born from. And the goal is that you really just start to give it a go and see how you feel. And if you can do more, great. And if you can't, okay, but tell a friend, you know, get everybody else that you can involved. Then we created a free app so people can kind of find recipes, monitor their carbon offset that they're building, um, monitor how many meals a week they're eating, schedule it in their calendar, just any kind of support that a person might need. We have a quiz to really answer questions about what it means to have a plant-based diet, you know, things that are just kind of new for people that are kind of going into this area. So we say plant-based starts here because it's like the beginner's um, plant-based, you know, entry point. It's really a nice uh, positive experience. There's no shame. There's no blame. It's really just do your best, give it a go and see how you feel. And more times than not, people are like, I really like how I felt. I really like this. I, I can do this. And it's, it's challenging, but it's not impossible. Yeah. 
I love that too, because I think we're so quick to put labels like I'm vegan, I'm vegetarian. And then if you kind of misstep, then you're like, well, let me just, I should just give it up because it's too hard. But I love that it, it, as you say, adds that entry point of um, eight meals. And I think nowadays too, we're so lucky that we have so many alternatives with the beyond and impossible and so many dairy alternatives that um, I think eight meals is definitely impossible for people. Um, can you speak to the ship naked campaign? I know that's another one that you guys have going on. Yeah, I got a box recently. Um, actually, it wasn't that recent anymore. It was about a, a year and a half ago. I received this little handheld vacuum that I had ordered online and it came uh, without a box. It was just, it's the manufacturer's box and it had the shipping label on it. Um, I was like, this is weird. I've never seen a box without a box in it you know it was just this, I'm used to the redundancy of an extra cardboard box on it and I thought wow it's naked it's almost like this is really strange they can do this and so as I started researching I realized that if you have a rigid box the shipper the shipping companies can easily ship that out with a shipping label but it was like a little known fact I didn't even know this a lot of people may not want that, but a thing is, once again, we're talking about choice. A lot of people may want that extra box for, you know, security reasons or whatever. Um, some people live in a community that's gated or that has opportunities where it's like an apartment building. They don't need to worry so much. And I thought, well, what if we gave people the choice to have no extra box? And so we created Ship Naked as a funny way to kind of get to Walmart. So funny and <laughs> caught the attention of a lot of people. And we're starting to see one which is called ship greener and the idea there is to have less filling and a ratio of the package to that product to be more you know logical because sometimes you've got this little tiny object in this massive box totally so we worked we worked together with ups actually and they were like we love this idea because to be honest something i didn't even think about was that the trucks that they fill up the smaller the type packages the more packages they can fit in there mm. the less trucks are out on the streets the less gas there is the less drivers there are there's like so much cost savings for the for the shipping companies so they're actually have divisions within their companies helping you know companies figure out how to ship greener and tighter and smaller and all that so I'm really proud of that. And I think that, you know, we, we were really close. Uh, Oceana had led a, a, you know, led the way with AB 12, 2026 last year, and it didn't pass, but that was asking Amazon specifically to stop shipping with so much plastic bags and just plastic everything. They're, they're able to go plastic free in other countries. Why not here? So hopefully we will be able to get somewhere with that. That's awesome. I love that so much. Um, so another campaign I keep seeing on your social media, which I love, and I would love to just talk more about is the lights, camera, plastic campaign. Could you describe what that is and um, what yeah. Habits of Waste is doing there? It's interesting because um, as a sociological kind of environmentalist, I'm trying to study how do we uh, stop swimming upstream? How do we make it so that we're all on the same page? And we can sit here till we turn blue trying to tell people that plastic is bad. We want to you know, go reusable, trying to come up with system systemic change, like in the food delivery apps that I described to help people avoid it if they can. But then you turn on the TV and you see your favorite actor or actress drinking out of a plastic water bottle. And you're like, what the hell is this? I can't even believe I just saw that. Like, why? And I realized that that you know, what we see in our, in, on media really helps um, 
dictate what is and isn't acceptable in society. When smoking was banned on screen, people smoked about 35 to 40% less almost immediately. It was like a nosedive had happened with, with smoking numbers and rates. So I thought, well, why not? We, why don't we try that again with with plastic? Let's show a better way. Let's show a reusable instead of a plastic item. And what we decided to do was help every production out there with a letter to their entire cast and crew, signage, watermarks on their script saying go reusable where possible. And we did all of that because I interviewed so many prop masters and set decorators. And I said, why don't you guys just put some reusables on rather than plastic? And they're like, well, we don't feel like we should make that decision. We don't want the director to come up and be like, what is this green scene you've created? We don't want to get into trouble. So mm. it seemed as though there was a lot of fear around that. So now we're trying to make that be the standard and the, the default essentially. And now we're working together with a whole bunch of studios and trying to get, I'm, my goal is to get one studio on board fully with Lights, Camera, Plastic by Earth Day this year. But we're sending emails to everyone. We're constantly trying to get people like we did with the other ones, like help us send emails to these studios. We've already have pre-written emails are going straight to the studios saying, we don't want to see so much plastic anymore. Let's denormalize it. And so we're working hard on getting that done. And I think, you know, I think we're, we're on our way because we've had calls with all these major studios and everyone's aware that this is a problem and it's time, it's time. So we're pushing hard. I love that. It's so smart. Well, and it's like you said, with smoking, like if it can be done with smoking, why not single use plastic? Do you have any that come to mind that are like stars that were all green, like movies or shows again it's not about being perfect but there you will not find any more plastic um there was a movie last year with owen wilson and jennifer lopez called marry me um ted lasso is always using reusables you don't see hardly any plastic screen so i'm really i'm really impressed by once we tell producers and directors and and studios about this they just can't unthink it they're like oh i can do this especially because we have the toolkit and all they have to do is simply um, put it out there and and get everybody on board. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that. I'd love to dive a little bit into just the word habit. Um, You know, since it is a focus of the organization, can you just talk about the importance of habits and how we can kind of change our mind when we think about, you know, changing from single-use plastic or, you know, eight meals? So many people were talking about how it takes like 11 tries to to lose a habit or 21 tries to lose a habit. And I think that the my focus is really to understand that habits are changeable. It's just something that became kind of our normal, but it doesn't have to stay like that. And I love the flexibility of that. So when it's a habit, you can break your habits. And we were what we're trying to do is get people to really break those habits and just see it, just see it first highlight it wait wake them up from the again the slumber of kind of the normal routine day that you're going about i look at um people who are just trying to get through the day get dinner on the table for their kids get their you know bills paid i I don't expect everyone to become this like hardcore environmentalist that is why it is really about just modifying habits so that you can continue your life as you're doing it but just a little better. So we're taking the pressure off, I think, from this whole movement of environmentalism that has to be so hard, you know, considered so difficult. It's not, it can be doable and you can fold it into your life and sometimes even save money. Yeah. Yeah. 
No, I love that. I mean, it's not difficult if you're going out to eat to just ask for no straw or, um, you know, just very simple changes that make a big difference. Um, so I'd love to hear what you're excited about for the future of Habits of Waste. Well, we're starting a lights camera plastic sports edition, which I'm very excited about because oh, we realize how many kids out there, how many adults out there look up to those athletes and what they do on the sidelines of the, you know, whatever sport is being played. A lot of times I see athletes drinking out of a plastic water bottle and I just thought it's not healthy for their bodies. It's not good for the planet and the impression that they're leaving on, you know, the next generation and all the fans that are adults already just isn't helpful. So working on figuring out how to get all these teams to go reusable is my goal right now. So I'm very eager to launch that and it's going to be hopefully um, coming out next week. And so that's a really big top topic right now for us here at my, uh, in my team to really just get in front of all the right people for the whole entire sports industry. Wow. That's exciting. I love that. Um, can you let listeners know, so if someone's listening today, what could they do to kind of make a difference or help out or take action? We have a lot of opportunities. Um, we always joke that if you have a cell phone, you can help us change the world. So getting in, involved in the campaigns by sending out these emails one by one, it's not, it takes two seconds. Every campaign has one. So Cutout Cutlery, currently we're trying to reach out to McDonald's, Burger King, Wendy's, and Chipotle to provide plastic cutlery upon request. So that's mm -hmm. one campaign that just you click now and have your voice heard and that will send the emails out for lights, camera, plastic. It's going to all the studios. Um, it's, it's really amazing because we have even bars over bottles, which is trying to get, you know, big companies like Procter and Gamble, L'Oreal to put some R and D dollars into creating sustainable shampoo brands that are like a, um, bar format, because you can't expect people to do better unless there's options. And so when you go to a pharmacy, you see only plastic, it's time to change that. And you, we don't want it to be extremely expensive. We want it to be manageable for everybody to buy what they need. Um, so we have a campaign like that one that people can send out, download the food, the free habits of waste app, and that will help you kind of get through the eight meals challenge in a really smooth and, you know, successful way. It's really about just digging in and seeing what can I do to make my life kind of more conducive to this planet's well-being. I think um, refusing plastic, key thing right there. Every day you wake up, you have choices to make, whether you're going to leave the water on while you brush your teeth. Like every little moment, you have a little choice to make that's eco-friendlier versus not. And I think that's what we want to kind of give people the chance. We even have this thing called the carbon offset challenge where we've listed the value of your actions in carbon. Hmm. So that is something that I think would be really nice for everyone out there to also use and, you know, take advantage of because it's free and it's on our site and you can really start to see, okay, I've done X, Y, and Z today and tomorrow I'm going to try those things. So it breaks it down a little bit easier too. Interesting. Yeah, I think, you know, as consumers, we don't realize how much power that we hold. And so the more that we, um, you know, demand things that aren't single use or more plant based options, I think, you know, the market changes as we are seeing. Yes. Um, how can the audience help habits of waste? I know you just spoke about it a little bit. But... 
we would love donations. That is one of the biggest things that we're asking for and for people to spread the word. So even if it's just a few dollars here and there, it adds up and it allows us to keep our lights on. We are a nonprofit organization. So that is a very important piece of the puzzle. That is um, probably the most challenging part of the work we do is to keep our funds coming in and keep the lights on because we are doing really good work. And that's what we want to focus on is the work, not the fundraising. So we're asking all the time for people who have any extra um, funds for donation to any organization, consider ours, you know, read up about us. We are very transparent. Um, the other ideas are really tell a friend. Like if you if you've been inspired by anything we've talked about today, tell one friend. You know, follow us on Instagram. Take a look at our website. That ripple effect will grow so much exponentially. And we always tell people like if you have even just a few hundred friends on social media and you post one thing that's environmentally focused, imagine what lights you'll turn on in such a big you know arena right there it's social media is such a wonderful tool in today's day and age for problems like climate change because we can touch so many lives at in with just the click of a button so let's yeah. use technology to our to our advantage totally i love that well we always end every interview with some fun rapid fire questions if you're willing sure. um so what is your favorite place in the world and be as specific as possible Ooh, that is a really great question. If I had to say my favorite place in the world right now, um, I want to give you a good one. I would say it's Punta Mita in Mexico. It's this really just lush green space where it just feels untouched and the ocean is just so beautiful and warm and calm and lovely and it just feels like just paradise a slice of paradise it's it's close to LA too so I love that place a lot nice short flight for you mm -hmm. um what tv show are you currently watching I'm trying to finish the second season of White Lotus actually it's been taking me a really long time and I know <laughs> everything about it now and I, all the teasers have kind of kind of I know everything that's going to all happen, the spoilers probably. all the spoilers everything but I'm I'm now almost at the you know third to the last episode I'm getting nice. through it now that's a good but one I like it yeah and then what was the last book that you read um it was I just finished reading Spare by um Prince Harry and I wasn't expecting to even want to read it, but I found out it's the same ghostwriter as um, Andre Agassi's tennis book and Shoe Dog for the Nike founder. Hmm. And it was interesting because I just love that author so much. You can't stop. I listened to it on audio and I want to go to Africa now. Like that was my takeaway from the book <laughs> is his uh, appreciation and love of Africa and how that has kind of been a bucket list thing for me. And this book, you know, after all the other dramas of it, all I focused on was Africa and the parts about it and the animals and the, you know, landscape and just the descriptions of it all. I could see it just so clearly. So nice. that is definitely on my to-dos in the next year or two. I have to do that. I want to see Africa. I love that. That was your takeaway. <laughs> yes. It was Botswana, right? Isn't that where he was? Yes, that okay. was definitely one of one of the many places. I mean, he was South Africa and so many places, but um, he describes it with such passion and so much just enthusiasm for nature and protecting nature. Um, there is some scenes of him hunting, which really bother me, but right. um, 
the way in which he even as a I guess the mindset of a hunter like he wants to uh, there was a respect still of even that and I I cannot tell you how much I hate the idea of hunting and everything but yeah the idea of these big beautiful animals just roaming and being able to watch them is what I want to do is just observe and, and enjoy uh that 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 visual yeah it sounds like an amazing trip um one fun fact about you I love tennis, like obsession with tennis. I can't tell you how much I enjoy playing tennis. It's the place I go where my mind shuts off on everything. And all I think about is just that ball bouncing and hitting it. And it is uh, an hour and a half goes by for me, like it's 15 minutes. And I just feel so um, energized and invigorated by it. So I do have, and now I'm playing more pickleball too, which is another really fun sport that has kind of developed, but nothing is like tennis for me. And I also love to ski. Those are things that are like actions that like meditative actions for me that I keep on going to. And it just calms my mind. And I'm, that's the only time that I think I can stop thinking about how to protect this planet. I constantly (laughs) think about it. It's your escape. I love that. And then the last one is your favorite quote. Um, Be the change that you want to see in this world. That is uh, what I live by, and it's it's a powerful quote. It's by Gandhi, and I think it's just one of those that um, every time I'm like, well, I wish this was like that, and then I remember, well, do something about it. You can. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much, Sheila. This was so fun talking to you, and I'm so excited to share Habits of Waste story with our listeners. Thank you very much for having me. This was a lot of fun. Of course. Thank you so much for listening to Waves of Change podcast. I'm your host, Lizzie Lara. I would love if you would follow or subscribe our podcast, or would you leave a rating or review? Five stars is our favorite. That would help others find us, and we'd really appreciate it. If you are active on social media, please follow us at Waves of Change podcast on Instagram. Even more, if you would share this episode on your stories, that would be wonderful. If you have suggestions or want to recommend an organization I should interview, email us at wavesofchangepodpod at gmail.com. Thank you. I'll see you next time.